Hi, Door of Hope. This is Tim. If I haven't met you, I'm in charge of the staff and the ministries here at the church. And just have a few quick updates for you uh, here before we get to the message. Uh, we've gotten some feedback that we could be doing a better job of keeping everyone in the loop. And so I want to try to update you a little bit more often on things that are, are going on at the church, both, both I and, and the other leaders. So just, just a few quick things. As you probably heard last week, uh, we are going to start a Sunday morning small gathering starting Sunday, September 20th. We're really excited about this. We hope it's going to be a way to start easing back into regularly gathering together. We're so anxious to see you all, and I hope that a lot of you have opportunity to filter through this small gathering. And we, we're ready to roll out a few more details. What we're going to do is there'll be a separate sign-up page for each Sunday, and we'll launch that sign-up page Sunday afternoon after we do that morning service. And so uh, we will launch the sign-up for uh, the first gathering, uh, Sunday the 20th, on the previous Sunday, uh, which is a, a week from now on the 13th. It's going to be limited to 50 people. That's what the city allows right now. Uh, we're going to require masks because that's also what the city requires right now. We're going to keep our social distance and all these kind of things. Uh, it'll be a little weird, but it'll be so good to see everybody that I think that will overshadow any weirdness that there is. So uh, we really hope to see you there. You can um, sign up for our newsletter on the website. That's the way that you'll get the link to sign up for a service. Um, also, just want to give a, a brief announcement. We'll have more information on this soon, but realize that we, we've failed to let everybody know that uh, about over a month ago now, we've actually uh, established three new elder candidates here at Door of Hope Southeast, and they are Tim Clevenger, Mark Atherton, and Matt Bai. Both uh, Tim Clevenger and Mark Atherton are, are longtime community group leaders, and Matt Bai is taking leadership in our, our change groups ministry, particularly with uh, Pure Desires groups uh, for men. We're really excited for the perspective that they're already bringing to our team, uh, and they'll go through kind of a, a process of being elder candidates and then eventually we'll put them before uh, the whole church body probably via video because we'll still be in this scenario uh, for for feedback and then eventually voting them in really excited to be able to to fill our elder team uh, back more kind of out after some transitions over the last year and then Lastly, want to just give you an update on some staffing-related issues. I've had a couple questions in the last week that reminded me that we have really failed to share some, some key updates uh, in regards to our, our church staff. Uh, if you've been following us uh, for any length of time, you know over the last year or so there's been a number of, of staff transitions for various different reasons. And and I want to give an update because the question I've been receiving is, is when are we going to rehire for some of these, uh, trans these uh, positions? And, and so I, I want to speak to that a little bit. Uh, as we were coming out of the summer last year, a year ago this time, if you remember, we were about $250,000 behind budget. And so a couple of those staff transitions that happened around that time actually ended up being a big part of how we ended the year on budget. Uh, many of you were generous and, and gave, and that was a, a part of that process too, but part of it was not rehiring some of those positions and instead divvying up those responsibilities among our existing staff. And then as we came into the new year, our plan was uh, to move forward with some staffing uh, according to what we could afford. And what we could afford was about one full-time additional pastor and one or two part-time positions. And we were ready to start uh, moving on that around February-ish, and then COVID hit. And since then, uh, finances 
we're still stable overall, but they've definitely slipped a good bit. And we just don't feel at this point that we have the resources to move forward very much uh, with staffing. We are advertising for a part-time youth ministry position. And over the summer, there's been this amazing grassroots movement uh, in our women's ministry. Uh, special thanks to Megan Ayeni for spearheading uh, a lot of those efforts. And there was a survey that went out recently. And I think we're going to be able to, in a very grassroots way, uh, be able to do a lot of things uh, to serve and, and, and give opportunities for the, the women of our church to connect more in the fall. So there's, there's good things happening, but the elders feel like with the finances the way they are, uh, we need to hold tight on very many more staffing moves uh, for at least the time being. My hope is that by November-ish, like mid-fall, hopefully we'll get a chance to see more of where our finances actually settle into in the fall. Hopefully we're looking at phase two of reopening here in Multnomah County that will allow us to have some larger gatherings and all that will help us to have momentum going into uh, the new year, but it's just too soon to tell where these things are at. So I just want to encourage you. We, we covet your prayer. Please pray for your leadership. Please pray for the church. Please support the church financially as you are able. And we really hope to see you uh, in the coming weeks as we begin meeting on Sunday mornings. This was a song that Hattie used to make me sing to her every single night for bed when she was your oldest age. Like oh, yeah, like four or five. Yeah, like, she yeah. just like, loved this song. Like, it was like that. She's like, open the window, sing open the window. That's what she called it. It's called release the beat. But. <laughs> All right. Cool, I'm ready to go whenever you are. Okay. Come let your waters flood over me Cause I've seen your beauty Been cleansed by your blood I've been in the desert Drank of your love And as a deep calls unto I feel your waves crash over me Cause you're all I ever wanted And you're all I ever need Yes, you're all
And as a dream Calls unto dear I feel your waves Crash over me Cause you're Yeah. 
Well, hello, Door of Hope. It is good to be back with you. Uh, I've spent the last couple weeks taking a break from the pulpit. I, I hope you enjoyed Tim's sermons. I've been hearing nothing but great reports on his messages from the Psalms. Um, we are going to continue in our series on the seven deadly sins. And today we are going to deal with the sin of Gula, or as we know it in our current vernacular, gluttony. And we're going to look at this transition from what does it mean to be a people of consumption to a people that are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 20 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their, and I want you to note this, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a profound and appropriate passage for us to be meditating on, on multiple levels, even levels that go beyond what I want to cover in this message. But I think it's important for us to notice uh, this uh, incredible uh, indictment that Paul brings upon the ungodly whose end is destruction and whose God is their belly because their minds are set on earthly things. And he reminds the church, listen, our citizenship is not here. Uh, our first loyalty is not to our life on this planet, in this country. Our first loyalty is to King Jesus and his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. You know, Franklin Roosevelt, in the State of the Union Address in January of 1941, put forth what is commonly called the four freedoms. The freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom from want, and the freedom from fear of physical aggression. What does he mean by the freedom from want? That is, that people shouldn't be living in a state of absolute poverty, that we should have the freedom as citizens to thrive in the country in which we live. Uh, as a kid who grew up in a home of poverty with a single mom who worked multiple jobs to support three boys, I think that that's a bigger dream than is often in actuality. Uh, and we see the continuing uh, gap between the ultra-rich and the ultra-poor, uh, I think it's important for us to take into consideration uh, the realities of our own country. And uh, in a time of quarantine and isolation, these realities are coming uh, into greater and greater focus. When I first preached through the seven deadly sins in 2010, I shared the national debt at that time, uh, as of September 30th, 2009, was 12 trillion. Today, the national debt is at 23 trillion. So, a little over 10 years ago, it was at 12 trillion. We have climbed to now a 23 
trillion dollar deficit. You see, the freedom from want has given way to excessive behavior. The pursuit of happiness has found its outlet in consumption, gluttony. Now, gluttony is often connected to food, and I think it's important that they joke that COVID is also the time of a 25-pound weight gain for many. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to even food as a picture of gluttony, ec excess, uh, we should not be afraid to talk about such things. In an age of political correctness and fears of body shaming, uh, we've stopped talking, honestly, about the fact that obesity is probably one of the biggest, it, not probably, it is one of the biggest killers uh, of Americans today. And one of the reasons that we, as a population of, we only hold 4% of the world's population, hold 25% of the world's COVID-related deaths, and a huge part of that formula is because of the unbelievable level of obesity in our country. We are not the healthiest people in the world. In fact, 42% of Americans are considered obese by national standards. And I think that this speaks to our natural tendency to consume everything that is before us. And it doesn't have to just be food. It can be our entertainment, it can be our food. I think Americans tend to live with this sort of motto, more is more. I remember when Darcy and I uh, lived in Southern California and we were looking for a house and we were living in Riverside County where it was just like the land of track homes. And I remember the billboards that would ask the questions, is seven bedrooms enough for you? I think that speaks to this more is more reality. Consumerism has been and continues to be America's religion. We have become participants of a pleasure economy in the age of surplus. The sin of gluttony in its excess and perversion has given us literally a world full of garbage driven by mass consumption and mass waste. It has eradicated the proud craftsman and has produced the miserable factory worker or office worker. It has delivered us over to the power of the machine. I've been reading through the works of Jacques Ellul. Uh, he specifically wrote a trilogy that were just that were pr profound and prophetic. Uh, the first one being the technological society uh, in which he talks about technological advance, every advancement we make actually has this horrible underbelly that further diminishes what it means to be image bearers of God, what it means to be human. And he warned against our reliance upon technological advance. And the second book he wrote uh, that he says is the outcome of these technological advances is propaganda in which the nation state is driven by the money it makes from technological advance, which leads it to even media being, becoming sources of continual propaganda to further perpetuate the economic uh, successes that come from the West through these technological advances. And then it, he ends the trilogy with uh, the political illusion in which all politics in the West are ultimately illusion and that we as children of God must give our loyalty uh, to one kingdom and one kingdom alone and that's the kingdom of God. He's not denying the responsibility of being a good citizen but he is saying we should not be fooled 
that, that every political uh, arena uh, that as we know it today is driven by a series of things that undermine the very reality of what it means to be a Christian and undermines the very reality uh, of how it is that we are to live uh, in the light of the return of Jesus. The great church doctor Thomas Aquinas once wrote of the five facets of gluttony. Too soon, too expensive, too much, too eagerly, too much fuss. And I want us to think through these five facets because it will help us understand how problematic this is in the world and is in our own lives and why we need to come under the control of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin with Aquinas's first facet that he describes of gluttony, and that is the problem of gluttony being driven by this idea of too soon. It's driven by want rather than need. Proverbs 23, 2 says, And put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. Indulgence is satisfying desires at the wrong time in the wrong way. It's, it's being driven uh, without having self-control. And this is a, an issue that, that I have in my own life. Of I am a, a man who is driven far more than I am disciplined. Uh, and in my appetite, I am 100%. More is more is often. And just know that the that the, uh, the sin of gluttony is very much a sin that, it, that is often besetting in my own life. I am given to a, a temperament that just wants more. I, I don't know what it is. There's just something in me that pushes me. But that too soon, that, that inability uh, to, uh, to say no, <laughs> to a thing uh, when it is not the right time. And, and we see that this being played out. We see it, we see it in sexual appetites. We see it in appetites for food. I, I think of the, my own tendency to constantly, it's like, it's great. I love food, but I am the king of, of the perpetual snacking, eating when I shouldn't be eating. And, and just, I'm, I just have that drive. I was like, I can't wait for something. I, even when I was a child on Christmas, I would look every year for ways to try to figure out how to open the present somehow before Christmas so I'd know exactly what I was getting. I just had no, no self-control when it came to waiting. When I had jobs, I was notorious, notorious for spending my money before I even had it in my hand. My mom always joked that it was burning a hole in my pocket. It's just that, that desire for now. And think about it. I mean, we live in an instantaneous culture uh, it, that we are never satisfied. Uh, and what we need is contentment. And this is something that is driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Proverbs 30 verses 7 through 9 says, Two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die. I love this. The writer of the proverb says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. I don't want to be a liar. But then he goes on to say, give me neither poverty nor riches. 
Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Don't give me more than I can handle and don't give me uh, that I forget you and don't give me so little that I curse you. That's essentially the, the balanced prayer. God is a good father who gives to his children those who come to him with their knees. And Jesus said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that we tend to worry about and obsess on are the things that we are seeking God. We want from God what he can give us rather than the gift that God gives, which is himself, which is the ability to be freed uh, from the need to be free from what our current situation is. And I think that this is one of those realities where we tend to be driven by want rather than need. There is so much that we believe that we need when in actuality it's just something that we want. Indulgence is satisfying desire, once again, at the wrong time, in the wrong way. And I would just ask you the question, are you discontented? Are you comfortable praying to God these words? Lord, give us what we need. That's the prayer that I've been forcing myself to pray. Lord, don't give me what I want. Give me what I need. And what I need isn't always necessarily fun, but it is always beneficial and is what leads to greater fruitfulness. So Aquinas' first facet, too soon, that speaks to that instantaneous lack of self-control nature that so many of us battle with. But the second facet of gluttony is too expensive. That's, that is one who is driven by extravagance rather than simplicity. Uh, I have made the joke before that simplicity is far sexier than extravagance uh, because simplicity require, requires creativity. It's, it's called being economical uh, in your decision-making. You know, my wife and I, Miss Darcy, uh, we have purchased a house, a, a fixer-upper. And it's in a really nice neighborhood. And, and honestly, the neighbors, it was essentially a drug house for real. And it was extremely run down. And I've been working on it for two months. We've taken it down to studs. I'm so far in over my head. Uh, and if anyone wants to come help, I would love your help if you want to spend time with me. Uh, but one of the things that we've done, we've done three remodels in the last 10 years. And, you know, we're a one income family. I'm a pastor. It's not, it's not like this is a job where you just have excess of, of, of money. And one of the joys that Darcy and I have in these processes is how can we do a remodel without going into debt? This is a, this is a good, this is a good uh, task. And what it requires is very creative ways of doing things. It's, it's the willingness to think through. One of the things that we've done with our current house is that we've taken off all the exterior siding, but then I planed all of it by hand so that we could repurpose it so we wouldn't have to buy wood. And looking around for discount deals and looking for, we bought all new windows, but I had to get all of them through places like Discount Windows or Craigslist and, and finding ways of saving money to avoid going into debt, to live within our means. Uh, and this is challenging because we live uh, in a time of, and we're going to consider this as we move forward in the seven deadly sins of that, that, that gluttony 
when it's not satisfied can often lead to jealousy when we see other people being able to do things that we can't afford. But I just encourage you, there, are, there is the possibility of doing things. I hear of people doing remodels in, of a single room where they spend on one kitchen uh, greater amounts of money than, than we will spend on the entire remodel of our house. But it does require a tremendous amount of creative energy uh, and time spent looking for ways to do it. And I think it's fun. It creates an adventure. Economy is more romantic than extravagance. Thrift is poetic because it's creative. Frivolousness is unpoetic because it's often waste. We find ourselves, uh, we find ourselves paraphrasing Augustine, give me frugality, oh Lord, but not yet. <laughs> and that is... That is uh, something, unfortunately, uh, that is kind of written into the fabric of what it means to be American. Is it's a sense of entitlement that, that leads to our demands for the best. We want the best everything. We want the newest Apple device. We want the newest thing. We, and we want to be able, and so many of the things that we use in our culture are often status items. Uh, my son's into uh, to buying and reselling clothing and it's amazing that kids uh, will spend $600 for a box logo t-shirt from Supreme. It's just a t-shirt that says Supreme and a box on the front but it's this idea that it becomes a symbol of I can afford this um, and it's something that makes me special and this is why so often in our culture uh, materialism really is the God uh, of this land. We need simplicity. Uh, I love how it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were content. Uh, where are you extravagant in your living? Where are you wasteful? This is something that I have to constantly ask myself because I have that more is more. I do think that of, of the seven deadly sins, gluttony is definitely the vice that gets me uh, the most often. The, the third uh, facet that that Aquinas describes is that facet of gluttony that says too much. Uh, it's driven by excess rather than control. So if the first says too soon, I want it now and I will not wait, and the second says I want the best because I deserve it, the third says I want more of the best and I want it now. Uh, Luke 21, 34 Jesus says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and then the day of the Lord will come on you unexpectedly. This is about quantity, not quality. Uh, and this is one of the great problems of modern consumerism, is that quality has taken a backseat to quantity. Bigness is the American idol. We seem to do everything but love too much. Isn't that the truth? 
We seem to do everything in our lives overboard except love. And yet that's the one thing that is a debt that's never paid in full. Man, we have more malls in our country than we do high schools. We need self-control. William Morris once said, have nothing in your houses that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. I am an advocate for beauty and Darcy and I love to make a beautiful home, a cozy environment. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a minimalist by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I do believe that this is a good way of living. Uh, and I think that hoarding, honestly, uh, the, and, and, and even the rise of hoarding in our current culture sort of speaks of this, this uh, desire to define meaning by the ability to, to have uh, too much of something. Uh, and I, I've gone through these, I, I always say that uh, book collecting and record collecting it is almost like a, it's like a more acceptable version of hoarding. And I think that my, uh, my struggle uh, to simplify in those areas is something that I have to pay attention to. One of the reasons that I gave up drinking, uh, which is now five months ago, and I feel amazing from it. It's been so good. You know how much brain power was wasted on concerning myself on, uh, on even thinking about what I, would, what I would have to drink after. I, I've been doing this with clothing and with, uh, and with food and drink is, is simplifying it down to where I don't have to waste brain energy on it. I'm kind of eating the same thing. I feel like I'm wearing, I wear the same work overalls every day and it's been actually kind of refreshing that this is the first time I've not had my overalls on in, in, in a month, it feels like. Uh, and, and this is that, that simplifying life uh, is, is a really powerful thing. And there's a, there's a self-control piece. It's like all of a sudden my energy has been able to be given to things that really do matter more. Uh, Psalm 141.4 says, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let me ask you the question of what do you do too much? What do you do too much? Where do you find excess? Is your gluttony in your, in your television consumption? Is it in your social media consumption? Is it in food consumption? Is it driven by possessions? I, I think that we have to ask ourselves these questions is where have the things of this world drawn our attention away from the one who always deserves more than we are able to give, which is Jesus. Thank God his mercies are new every day and then on our worst day he's crazy about us. But this is the thing is that when we, where we give the majority of our attention, where, what our hearts and our minds are set upon, this really shows us where our gods are. Fourth facet of gluttony is too eagerly. It's driven by impulse rather than patience. Did you know that the American consumer credit debt reached $972 billion? The average amount of credit card debt per household is like, I think in between like eight and $10,000. Uh, we are a people that are built on debt. 
uh, that in this, this kind of speaks to the desire for something now, it, wanting it too soon, means that we will now be too eager uh, to fulfill that desire and it means that we become impulsive. Uh, we are driven by impulse. We don't have, we're driven without discipline, which makes us impulsive. Uh, and this is, this is the thing that is probably one of my greatest weaknesses, probably on some sort of, honestly, on some sort of spectrum, I would argue for myself, of just an impulsive nature. Uh, and that's, that's really good when it's put to use of like a, a willingness to take risks. Uh, and when it's, when it's given, when that nature is placed upon the, what can we do to bring the gospel forward? Uh, that can be a beautiful thing, but when it's given to the flesh, it can be unbelievably damaging. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17 says, there, Let there be, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. The, the impulsiveness of Esau is one of the more tragic stories of the scripture. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And I think that this is one of those things that, that impulsiveness is so destructive because we can't undo our actions. Every cause has an effect. And we can be forgiven and we can start again, but we can't erase. If we make a bad financial decision, we can be forgiven, we can seek help, we can begin to move out of that, but we still have to deal with it. Uh, you know, we can, we can make changes to correct impulsive behavior, uh, but we still have to deal with the consequences of that impulsive behavior even as we try to improve in our self-control. And this is why Jesus gives parameters, why his kingdom is filled with ethics. We can't just say that grace means I can do whatever I want. Grace speaks of a God who loves us in spite of the fact that much of what we do and much of what we are is not very lovable. That's a powerful thing, but it's meant to set us free uh, and it's not a freedom to do what we want and to take what we want and to, to have what we want. It's the freedom to do what is right, which is to be surrendered to the authority of Jesus. Uh, the tyranny um, of self, uh, when we do not find our self under the control of the Holy Spirit, is, is an exhausting reality uh, and, and it's soul-sucking. Our real freedom lies in our trusting Jesus with our lives, to give him the right to be responsible for us, to allow the Holy Spirit to birth within us one of the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Remember what it even says, and we considered this uh, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Take everything before the Lord and involve him in your decision making. This is one of the great ways to fight impulsiveness is that just to begin to develop the habit of, Lord Jesus, is this something that I need right now? I want you to be engaged in every arena of my life. Um, this is why it says in Luke 21 verse 19, by, by your patience, you possess your souls. And finally, the fifth 
uh, facet that we find of Aquinas is too much fuss. And this is driven by selfishness rather than thanksgiving. This, this interior voice that says, I deserve this. That was my excuse with drinking. Lord, the church is stressful. Everybody, and honestly, I am so glad I stopped drinking when I did because it was before uh, the quarantine had gone into this never-ending reality and before um, all the riots and the protests broke out. And honestly, if I had not stopped drinking before that, I think I would have moved into the very dangerous reality of excessive drinking to escape the stress that ministry has brought as you feel pulled in a million directions by a million voices with a million opinions about what the church ought to be doing in this particular time. And honestly, a sober mind has been so necessary for me to maintain any kind of semblance of sanity in these days. We need to move away from selfishness and move toward thankfulness. One of the ways we fight gluttony is to, is to release this idea that I am owed this, I deserve this, I need this escape, and to move toward, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. Numbers chapter 11, uh, verses 4 through 6, we're told of the mixed multitude who were among the Israelites uh, that they yielded to intense craving um, and, uh, and, and influence the Israelites to desire um, the, these things that they had when they were slaves. And instead of recognizing that they were free, they began to, all they could focus in on was what they didn't have rather than what God had already done for them. Uh, and it created this, this lack of gratitude, this dissatisfaction. And I think that this is something that is plaguing uh, the church right now is that we are overwhelmed by the world in its state. We're scared because of all the unknown realities. Um, it feels, we can feel this, the spiritual um, outworkings of, of evil um, becoming more and more prominent. Our crime is up in our city. My house was robbed last week, um, which was super stressful. We had $5,000 worth of tools taken out of the house in the middle of the night. Uh, and this is becoming increasingly common uh, in our city. There is unrest. Uh, there is a lack of, of ability to address that unrest. We are isolated. Uh, there is a rise in anxiety um, and fear. And, and what that does is that we begin to become self-centered in these anxieties and looking for relief for ourselves rather than how can we be a relief for others. And I think that this is, uh, this is the problem is that we, are, we tend to be motivated by, by self-preservation rather than a gratitude that leads us toward an other-oriented, self-sacrificial way of living. And this is exactly what we're told in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2, that, that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. We need thankfulness. 1 Timothy 4.4, 4, it says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. 
our lives need to be marked by a thankfulness. There is so much to be thankful for. We always think that if I had these things, I would be happy. And that's why it is an affront to us every single time a celebrity takes their own life because we can't handle the fact that the person that has been blessed with all that the world can offer has said it still isn't worth it. And we're offended when someone is willing to walk away from a life of much uh, by taking their own life because we think that if I had what they had, I would be happy. I would never come to that place of darkness. But the fact is, is that the things of this world need to be growing strangely dim in the light of eternity. That the best is yet to come and the world as we know it is not the final destiny. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And if it's this world in some kind of recycled fashion, all I can say is it's going to be something different. And what we need to understand is that Jesus said the days would grow darker before his return. And we shouldn't be surprised by what is happening right now. What we need to ask ourselves in closing, are we driven by want rather than need? Are we driven by extravagance rather than simplicity? Are we driven by excess rather than control? Are we driven by impulse rather than patience? Are we driven by selfishness rather than thankfulness? And if we answer yes to any of those questions, the only appropriate response is this. Jesus, I repent. That's just, I'm changing mine. I've been trying to be my own master. I have put my hope in things that are actually breaking my heart and yours. And I just turn to you. Repentance is just a release of control it's saying, it's saying no to, to self and yes to Jesus. But really, it's just the simple word of help. Lord, I need your help. Help me. Christ is our need. And he wants us to be focused upon him, to take all of our thoughts captive to him, to be patient and thank him daily, for he is the source of our victory. He is the source of our peace. He is the source of rest. And if you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you right now, he loves you and he is pursuing you and he is just simply waiting for you to turn to him. He is closer to us than we are to our own thoughts. And he is the ultimate source of satisfaction. If we are going to be consumed with anything, let us be consumed with him. May we live by these words found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with the fullness of God. That's what should fill our bellies. The fullness of God. Be filled with the knowledge of His will. Be filled with His Spirit. Be filled with joy. Because there is a God who cares about you and knows you and created you for Himself and is not content to exist without you. You guys, I love you so much. I know these days are increasingly difficult. And I just want to say we have got to begin to overcome the fears. I'm becoming more and more uncomfortable with 
our inability to gather. Uh, I am becoming more and more uncomfortable with the hyper-politicizing uh, of, of an illness. Um, I am uncomfortable uh, with, with knowing that many of you are feeling ravaged by the isolation. And my concern is that the psycho, and it's not even a concern, I think it's actually a reality at this point, that the psychological impacts uh, of, of this quarantine is becoming more dangerous than COVID itself. And I just want you to ask that you continue to pray for us as leaders, uh, that we would be wise. And we want to, obviously, we want to live peaceably, if possible, amongst all people. Um, and we, we, want, we want to uh, be conduits of grace and mercy uh, in, a, in a city like Portland that so desperately needs the gospel. But Portland is not going to be won over by us being passive about our faith, um, by a fear of being, uh, a fear of offending uh, people to the point where we're unwilling to take a stand for Jesus and his kingdom. And I just encourage you in this tumultuous time of hyperpolarization, I just got addressed to take a look at Door of Hope's Facebook page and there's, there's a bunch of battles happening on the Facebook page. And I just would encourage you, nowhere is gluttony seen more intensely than in the, the, the social media frenzy happening today. Facebook is a black hole. I would encourage you to get off it altogether and don't enter into battles of words from the safety and the security of your computer screen. If it's not something that you can talk with someone face to face, you should not post it. Uh, and I think that, the, that these diatribes between the right and the left, I just want you to know, if you want to know where I stand politically, I reject the right and the left. Uh, I believe it's my responsibility to be a good voting citizen uh, and to vote in accordance with my convictions as a follower of Jesus Christ, but I hold to no party uh, and I am disgusted uh, by the ways both the left and the right are utilizing this moment to move their own agendas forward. And as Christians, our responsibility is to continue to point people to King Jesus. That is our mission. That is our responsibility to hold fast to the scripture. Uh, and so don't try to engage me in politics because the issues of the world are not political in nature. They are spiritual. Uh, and, and what we need to be is conduits of grace and truth. And so I just encourage you guys, do not lose hope. I love you. I want to be with you. And I believe that the time for us to be together is, is going to be coming sooner than later. Soon we're going to be doing the live gatherings, uh, which starts in a couple weeks. And man, I'm just looking forward to even being able to do that little bit. But be patient. Um, as we continue and, and pray for us as leaders. Uh, and I just encourage you, um, protect yourselves from what it is. Ask yourself the question is what I'm feeding on mentally, physically, spiritually. Is it leading me to a deeper appreciation of Jesus and others? Or is it making me more anxious and more bitter uh, and, more, and more fearful? 
because there is a lot of fear being spewed right now that is not helpful or beneficial. Uh, and, and I think that we need to begin to break free from that fear and live in the victory uh, that is already ours in Jesus. I love you guys. Uh, and until next week, uh, this is Josh.
God of all you've done for me, the gift of all creation, a life of victory. Remind me, oh God, that you are listening with patience everlasting. You're walking next to me. Everlasting, you're walking next to me. <laughs>